it's funny because I was thinking that we should do like this like duet of islands in the stream and then I realized <laughs> that I can't sing so that's not going to work but um I just like the song got stuck in my head yesterday for some reason you know like Kenny Rogers Dolly Parton like so old school and <laughs> just cracked me up just the idea of even thinking about it just like highlands in the stream that is what we are because it's such a yeah right no one in between I honestly every time I, I can get through the first two lines and then my brain just turns it into the ODB ghetto superstar <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's uh yeah, that's, it's fun to just even, like, kind of entertain those ideas in my head, right? Like, that's what's going on in any given day. It's like, oh, we could do this thing. And, um, yeah, no, that's not going to work because I can't sing. So maybe let's try well, something I'll else. tell you about one that I've just remembered because <laughs> I, I wrote this down, like, four weeks ago. And I still have not done anything with it because I keep forgetting. But um, the one mm. that I've had kind of running around in my head lately is uh, Foreigner Urgent. But it's like, mm. neuro neuro divergency neuro neuro divergence <laughs> i'm robbie mcdonald and i'm jordan lane we're two writers who've been friends for 15 years recently we both discovered we have the shared experience of figuring out we have adhd in midlife Holy Shit, I Have ADHD is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence, as well as a way to spread awareness of ADHD. This is a podcast about ADHD, hosted by two people with ADHD. While each episode has a general theme, our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process. We are not experts, simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife. If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, Speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. They're like lint, isn't lint? Like oh no, no, lint, lint is like, bangers. Oh man, those 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 lint, uh, the Christmas balls that they roll out. Oh, they're so goddamn good, man. Yeah, no, lint, really? lint is like it's not it's not Godiva, but it's certainly not Cadbury. <laughs> like it's yeah. Well, that's good to I know. I like lint a lot. Um, <laughs> Again, and I do, you know, have a very, oh, I'm sorry, I just totally ADD something just like did that on the screen. I was like, oh, it's broken. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, um, that chocolate has been like such a comfort food for me during the pandemic. And I think that's probably why I got a cavity. <laughs> like when I was at the dentist and we had a big chocolate bed, I was like, all those comfort chocolate right. bars, I guess those are adding up. Um, but the, when it comes to to Valentine's Day, and I was going to do some more research on this before we talked, but I'm almost certain that it was a, quote, holiday manufactured by greeting card companies. Mm. Am I right about that? Have you ever heard that? I don't know. Um, I feel like yes, but I'm basing that solely on the Simpsons episode about Love Day, uh, which in the episode is created by the greeting card companies midsummer to sell stuff. Um, but yeah, so obviously St. Valentine, um, you know, took a lot of arrows that's my recollection am i thinking of the right guy i don't know if by like this 80 is the... arrows <laughs> is that what I'm it pretty was sure. yeah. um because i think that's okay. where kind of the cupid thing comes from uh let's let, let's i'm gonna do a little bit of clackety clack here um yeah do some clackety clacking because this is again i dropped the ball i was gonna do some more research before we talked and have like some kind of like 
gotcha journalist thing or just like this was all the nefarious work of this evil company <laughs> um and i could just be completely talking out of my side okay let's see here it says that he was martyred on february 14th in 8269 not says how he was martyred um but I'm doing a command F for arrows, and there is nothing, so maybe I'm thinking of a different one. Uh, but yeah, mm. so let's see here. Um, da, 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 does not appear to be um, greeting card company invented, but probably greeting card company appropriated, I would uh, say is a fair argument. Like your Easter's, yes. like your Christmases, all of those, all mm -hmm. of those things. Maybe even your St. Yeah. Patrick's days. You know, it's not about snakes anymore. When did we get rid of the focus on snakes? I don't know when that... I remember that was like one of the stories I wrote in journalism school. Like my first year was like, did you know that St. Patrick? It was actually because you chased all the skates, the snakes out of Ireland. And people were like, it's not about the ship and anchor? <laughs> I was like, no, it's not just about the ship and anchor. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I, I think that um, the, the V-Day thing and maybe, I don't know. Like the appropriation, that, that's a big part of it too. And I think just in general, we're just always made to feel kind of lousy. Um, and that's why we buy all these things that we don't need. And when it comes to Valentine's Day, for me, it's always been super duper fraught up, up until the last couple of years. Mm. So um, I remember in grade nine, and this is my memory coming back, like it just flooded me the other day when I started thinking about this episode of being in the ninth grade at London Central Secondary School after the previous eight years everyone having to you know exchange these little valentine cards and sometimes I would get one or sometimes I wouldn't there would always be somebody in the class who got like 50 yeah. of them well there was probably 20 of us in the class I'm exaggerating anyway great the ninth grade London Central Secondary School which is like pretty much a hub for a lot of upper middle class kids and it was just through where we lived that we ended up getting mm -hmm. into that school or I was for a year they did this whole thing where it was roses like a single rose right and it was pretty obvious like I wasn't gonna get one right and I'm sitting there in that, class hang on though why, like, why was that pretty obvious I'm curious is that is that sorry, just you okay, talking to so, yourself ADHD brain or were there factors that you haven't uh, elucidated to me and the listeners um, so I think in the ninth grade, I definitely had not come into myself yet. I was very, um, I was definitely awkward. I wouldn't consider myself a, like a, a popular kid at all. It wasn't until I got into like the punk rock scene in like grade 10 and 11 that I started to actually make like real friends and, and develop a tiny amount of confidence. But in the ninth grade, I was a mess and I wasn't doing well in any of my classes. Um, and and I remember I tried out for the volleyball team. I didn't get picked, but the girl who was the, who ended up being the captain of the volleyball team, the captain of the, the boys volleyball team, like the senior boys volleyball team showed up at the door of our class where like half of us are sitting with roses on our desk and the other half aren't. And he shows up with this whole bouquet of roses for this girl who's the thing. And I remember feeling like that's never going right. to happen for me. Like I will never be the person who gets the bouquet of roses or gets selected for the team um, or really um, has any kind of uh, real affection or connection in, in life. Right? Like I just had such chronically low self-esteem yeah. at that point in my life. 
But what I think now is, yeah, that's a, you know, it's kind of a bummer story. I don't feel that bad about it. That's why I'm able to talk about it. But what I think is really shitty is that the school and the teachers did that thing so that the kids who had money could buy these $5 roses or whatever they were and, and continue congratulating themselves about how fun and lively and cool they were. Well, the kids who didn't have money just sat there feeling like shit. And it's just like, that's like, to me, Valentine's Day, a lot of what it is. It's like, let's, let's inflate the prices at restaurants. I've, when I worked at Highs, the, the prices pretty much doubled and we were like triple yeah. booked. I yeah. had, so a few years ago, um, I'm not going to name this place, uh, but there's, there's a spot kind of near where I live that we've been, it, it, it's a sit-down Italian restaurant with a little takeout pizzeria attached. And we've been getting mm. pizza from there for a decade and it is phenomenal phenomenal pizza it is so goddamn good just like a perfect mm. hand-tossed italian pizza and it's nice and cheap and yeah so valentine's day probably five years ago i was like hey we've never gone to like the sit down version of this place like let's let's do a nice valentine's dinner and so i booked us in it was like a pre-fee thing i think it was like 150 or 200 bucks or something like that for this like six course meal and i was like hell yeah we we're gonna do this up right it was, like, mm. the worst fucking meal I have ever had in my entire life. It was so oh, brutal man. because, like, they were clearly... They had clearly overbooked themselves trying to turn over too many tables over the course of the night. And so they mm. had done all of this batch prep and cooking up front. And so everything was, like, sitting on warmer tables, buffet-style forever or something, I have to assume, because nothing was hot or fresh when it came to the table. And then... The dish that I was the most excited about were these, uh, was this gnocchi dish. I love gnocchi so much. Mm. And it was, um, what was it? It had some sort of particular vegetable in it that I like. I want to say it was like artichoke or something. I can't remember. Some sort of veggie that I really like. Anyway, uh, I got this gnocchi and I swear to God, it looked like a bowl of cereal, but with butter instead of milk. There had to have been a fucking inch of liquid butter in this, like, you know those 90s, like, really big kind of soup bowls uh, with, like, the big wide lip? Like, this mm. this gnocchi, and then, like, this goddamn inch of butter with these gnocchi floating around, and it was, it was disgusting. It was, like, ah, oh, I was so, so excited for that meal, and it was the <laughs> worst meal I have ever had in my life. But it was, like, you know, you can't do anything but really kind of laugh about it because, like... You know, you can make a big stink or whatever, but, like, that's just going to fucking wreck everybody else's Valentine's and, like, mine. I'm not interested in that kind of conflict either. So it was, I think, better that we just had, like, a good laugh about it and, like, it was a memorable Valentine's Day, if nothing else. Yeah, I love that approach, actually, that you decided to make it something to have a chuckle about rather than be the outraged customer that, the, you know, the long-suffering server right. probably have been dealing with um, throughout his or her or their section um, all night long. And, and see, right? and that's exactly it is. That, that, that situation wasn't anyone's fault but the owner's. The owner wanted more people in. He wanted more turnover, mm -hmm. wanted to make more money. The chef had to deal with that. So the chef, I'm sure, wasn't proud of the food he was serving that night. I'm sure the waitress mm -hmm. or the, excuse me, wait staff weren't, um, you know, happy with the level of service that they were able to provide. And I suspect they probably did get some negative feedback about the food. But again, all of that, mm -hmm. that, that's one decision at the top by someone who doesn't actually have to deal with the fallout of it in all likelihood. I suspect that guy's not in the kitchen, so. Mm-hmm. 
Isn't it funny that we were, were, like, talking about Valentine's Day and ADHD and we're thinking about, like, higher (laughs) restaurants and, like, they're the ones that are actually to blame for this. But then if you take it even further up, it's like, oh, the restaurateur is, you know, he's struggling to get through February because, like, January is the slowest month and he doesn't have any liquid assets in order to buy the food to, like, do the right thing. So 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 then you, you, exactly, you abstracted another level up and it's like, well, no, the owner's only in this position because the rent on this uh, restaurant in this corner plaza in suburban Calgary is so expensive, which it shouldn't be because there's six fucking shuttered storefronts in the same plaza. And so it's like, you know, mm. uh, again, you can just keep going upward and upward until we're eventually just blaming Jeff Bezos again, which I'm fine with. <laughs> I'm totally fine with blaming that guy for everything. I haven't been to Whole Foods in a long time and I'm okay with that. Um, but yeah, the, um, I'm thinking about uh, how not knowing that my ADHD was was contributing to the way that I would often feel as an outsider right. um, for most of my life. Um, why it was so difficult for me um, to even start and be in a relationship, um, and the intensity that I felt at the high school level uh, was such that, like my relationships, if they lasted thirty days, were something miraculous. And because this was way before social media, obviously. And if somebody expressed an interest in me at a dance and we danced together and goodness knows made out or did whatever that we were doing back there, listening to Stairway to Heaven. (laughs) Yes, I'm in my early 50s. Um, And then something like that would happen, but then they wouldn't, you know, make any effort after that or they wouldn't call or they wouldn't do the thing. I would just like spiral. Like I wouldn't even be able to, because I would become so intensely hyper-focused on this person and this really beautiful experience that we'd had together at a, you know, at a dance or whatever. And then when there was nothing or there wasn't a quick enough kind of like follow-up to that, I would just, I would really get into a despairing mode. And then what was your high school like that way? Did you feel? Well, it's interesting. Um, so I, of course, had a very similar experience to you of not um, certainly having any confidence in junior high. High school was a little bit better. Um, high school was kind of where I started to get into improv. And I think that also um, I went to Bishop Carroll and having that kind of unstructured mm-hmm. uh, um, there, there wasn't a classroom environment to it, um, which worked really well for me because I kind of we talked about this a little bit in terms of like fluid personalities, but I floated a lot around between like different friend groups and stuff in high school um, and made a lot of different friends of like different, you know, subcultures of people or whatever. But uh, I didn't really Mm -hmm. date much. Um, I didn't, I I didn't like start kind of seeing people with any seriousness until I was like, uh, you know, grown up and graduated and moved out of the house and living on my own behind Mm -hmm. both cycle there. Um, well, I, I, <laughs> living on my own behind Bo Cycle. Yeah. You mean Bo Cycle and yeah. Um But when, oh when I say God, on my own, I mean with four people who are also 18, but without my parents is what I was trying to get across there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, so the romance thing is interesting. Um, high school-wise, again, like that was... We all have our own stories of like teenage rejection um being kind of like traumatizing Mm. or whatever and i certainly have a few of those but um something that i was kind of thinking about with what you were talking about with um that like having an experience with someone at a dance is that 
my experience as a person with ADHD is that it is very, very easy for me to fall in love and to like mm. really, really become attached to someone very strongly, very quickly. And I think that a part of that is because of that low self-esteem thing that you were talking about and also the pleasing thing where we put so much energy into other people, um, you know, pleasing them and we understand how intense some of the emotions and the amount of energy that we're expending that comes up behind that is so when we feel that energy directed our way and we're getting that kind of attention from someone else it's really really easy to just like <gasps> and just like kind of open yourself up to it and really fully kind of like mm -hmm. dive in maybe a little bit too fast and that's certainly been been my experience is like um yeah like you know i'll have like a good date and for me that'll be like oh man, this is it. This is like the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with and all this stuff. And like, you know, I don't even know whether the other person maybe had that much fun yet, but I know that I did. Um, so yeah, so that that's certainly been one factor of it. Um, the, the thing that's actually like, I feel like impacted my relationships as an adult the most that I realize is ADHD is uh, my memory. Um, and how mm. shitty my goddamn memory is. I cannot keep straight what date it is, period. Like, I have myself, like I've been saying, calendared within an inch of my life now uh, for the sake of getting stuff done. But that has always, always, always been a problem for me. And you want to talk about, like, feeling rejected. What about, like, your partner of 10 plus years forgetting your birthday or forgetting your anniversary? Mm -hmm. Like, all of this kind of stuff. And that has been me on many occasions because I'm just, like, I, I'll just wake up and be like, oh, fuck. Like, I have had, you know, like, mm -hmm. like this is not, this happens the same date every year. Like, I know when, when my wife's birthday is or when her anniversary is, but it just, it mm -hmm. still somehow manages to sneak up on me. And that's something where, like, how could you not feel hurt or rejected by that? And so, like, I totally, mm -hmm. I, I can't even, like, defend myself, you know? Because it's like, no, I get it. Like, that's fucked. And, of course, you feel shitty because I fucked up. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to have more sympathy for myself now that I understand that there's factors mm -hmm. outside of my control there. But I totally understand mm -hmm. how it would be hurtful and hard to not take personally. Yeah, I think there's some... Um... There's a lot to be said for the, you know, the folks who get involved with ADHD yep. uh, relationships and wittingly or no challenges. <laughs> What's wittingly that? or no, wittingly or no, right? Um, and and I'm starting to see some articles popping up here and there about that, like how to be in relationship with somebody with ADHD, and and one of the things is like be flexible <laughs> and you know, don't take it personally and all, and all those things. But it, you know, it is still, um, yeah, it's still tough to, to be, um, on either side of that. Right. Uh, but to just kind of, you know, try to be gentle and I'm not very good at the date thing either. And I'm, I do kind of, I, I'm getting better about it. Um, but as Valdo usually remembers things like that before right. I do. Um, and he'll kind of give me some reminders. And uh, so this year I kind of have, because it's, you know, it'll be five years that we went on our first date in, in March. Oh, congratulations. So been, thank you. He's been like dropping those hints, right? So um, <laughs> it's keeping me kind of on track for that. So um, I'll be <laughs> aware of it when it happens. And I'll be like, what date? What? what? Why? Why are you looking at me like that? Right. Um, but, you know, before 
before Isvaldo, um, and um, even like within my own family, I'm the one thing that I actually liked Facebook for was birthdays and and special events, um, so that I could remember to say happy birthday to people in my family in Ontario, who I always forget, um, including my father. And that one kills me all the time because I reminded myself and I even asked my partner who still uses Facebook to check my dad's birth date on right. his page so that I could call him this year. And I fucking forgot. And I feel crappy about that because I love the man, yep. right? And he's getting older and I, but it's like not just in intimate partner relationships, but in family yep. too. And I, I, I usually remember my mom's because she's six days before me. So we're so close right. that that it makes sense that we remember each other's birthdays. But she almost always gets mine off by a day or two because there's like a slew of birthdays in my stepbrother's family around the same time. And she just gets overwhelmed mm -hmm. with birthdays. So I take that right, super personally yeah. when she calls me the day before my birthday. But I know the intention yes. is there, right? And, you know, I hang up the phone. I'm like, yeah, you know, and I have this moment. And this well just like, She's wishing you, like, it's okay, yep. right? And it is okay. Um, but the date thing, and I'm, I'm trying to be less attached to that in some ways because I'm just trying to show up as best as that I can in my relationships and with my family and however that looks and, and realizing that there's no one-size-fits-all yep. for it either. Because um, I remember the dopamine hits I used to get on my birthday on Facebook. <laughs> I remember my 40th birthday, I was like, I'm popular, People are liking and commenting and saying all kinds of nice things. This is so great, right? Um, of course, it's all fleeting and superficial, but yeah, my brain was pretty flooded with dopamine on those days, right? Um, I was realizing yeah. the other day, thinking about the birthday thing, because I took my birthdays off social media like forever ago um, because mm. I, and, and, and this is what I've been thinking about is like, why did I do that? Um, like, and I think it is because I am... I've always been reluctant to celebrate my own birthday. I usually don't throw parties. Mm. I usually don't like invite people out or like do anything. Um, and I think that that is maybe subconsciously because I am so bad at remembering other people's birthdays and I never remember to wish them a happy birthday or send them a card or get them a present or call them or go to the thing that they invited me to three weeks ago because I got caught watching some Soviet constructivist documentary or something <laughs> and like... And, and, you know, the, the things that are far less important to me than my friendships, right? Um, but, yeah, and so I'm wondering if that's, like, maybe subconsciously why I, I never call attention to myself and my birthdays because I know that I'm so fucking bad at remembering other people's and celebrating it appropriately. Um, and going back mm. to the family thing there for a sec, I have forgot my mom's birthday twice. Uh, two years in a row. This was probably, uh, probably seven or eight years ago. Um, and, yeah, and so that, obviously, I felt fucking horrible. And um, there was this weird, like, <laughs> this weird, I would later find out, like, sort of passive-aggressive stalemate thing that my mom was doing of, like, not calling me to be like, hey, you forgot my birthday, but just, like, stewing oh. about it. And again, that's not, it wasn't great for either of us, but... Um, we, we kind of sorted that out and after profuse apologies got through it. But anyway, the year following, she forgot my birthday. So I was like, yeah, all right, okay. Like, <laughs> Even Steven. 
<laughs> found I'm not worse. the only person. Um, so yeah, no, like I wasn't, I was not upset about that in the slightest. Someone, my, my mom not remembering my birthday. I was actually like elated and not, not because I could lord it over her, uh, but just because I could like, Ah, okay. I'm not the only person who fucking does shitty things that they don't mean to. <laughs> like, right. um, yeah. Yeah, the memory thing, uh, it comes up a, a quite a bit in our conversations um, with my partner and I because he'll say, yeah, I told you, remember I told you about that? And I'll give him a blank stare. And he'll be like, no, I told you about that. Remember the story that I told you about the thing? And I'll be like crickets in the background and then I'll say can you just please tell me again <laughs> and he does and he's, he's getting better about that and he's understanding that 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 is an ADHD thing where my memory can be um just like a sieve sometimes uh, about things that actually do matter yes. to me it's not that they don't they're not important and that I don't care about the stories that that he's shared or that you know something that is you know really important it just it just goes and and I don't think that the medication is um you know, I'm taking Concerta 36 MG mm -hmm. once every morning. I don't think that that's necessarily altering that for me. Mm -hmm. I think my memory is still pretty civvy. Um, but it, it, when it, when there's a lot of emotional attachment to something, it seems to me that I have a really crystal, crystal clear good memory about resentments <laughs> and things that, like, you know, I'm hanging on to for a really long period of time. But something, you know, like good memories um, and... I think there's been studies done on that too, that we have a negativity Absolutely. bias, right? So we do tend to, um, to remember more vividly negative feedback than we do positive feedback. So we need to like, like at least triple our positive feedback loops in order to feel yep. okay. And that's like, um, an evol evolution mm -hmm. piece, evolutionary, revolutionary, um, about how we, you know, evolve to like around the yeah. tigers and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, um, in, in, in relationships that definitely shows up a lot for me too, is like somebody saying something and then I perceive that as like some kind of like rejection or feedback or Criticism, something awful, yeah. but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I just kind of went off on no, that. That's what I was going to say <laughs> though. Um, you're absolutely right though. And, and I think that you, anyone, you and I included, who has worked retail, uh, waiting tables, etc., has experience of that, of like, you know, maybe you come home with like a huge pile of tip money at the end of the night because most of your customers were very happy, but you just remember that one shithead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And when I worked at Highs, like my slogan was, my soul is not on the menu. <laughs> like, I will, I will be here for you. I will carve the shit out of your Chateaubriand. And make you cherries jubilee, but you, my soul's not on the table, and and that used to happen quite a bit because the prices were high. It was kind of a very like it was a destination dining experience, and <clears throat> I was also at the time, either I think I was like the second female to work as a server on the floor there at night. They had always had male waiters, and and there were people that really did not like me serving mm. them, and there were times that I would just get pulled off a table because the guy was just being such an wow. asshole to me, and. And that's like, you know, even then in like two, in the late nineties, that's when that was yeah. happening. Right. Um, but then there were also people who were really thrilled to see that happening. And the old, I think she was the executive director at CTV news or something like that. She used to come in with her husband. She loved me. And she was like, <laughs> and she was thrilled that I was going to journalism nice. school and she was giving me her card. She, this was when everybody could smoke. And they had, have you ever been to the old highs in Calgary? Uh, I think once, but that would have been decades <laughs> ago. So, 
So they had these big booths at one end of the room and there were these beautiful big circular booths and it, those were the prize tables, right? So she would hold court mm, at that mm. table and she'd be smoking her cigarette with her husband who was like quite quiet. He didn't say too much, but she was definitely aware of who was in that room <laughs> and anybody she needed to talk to. She was incredible. Um, and that, that I remember that at high so well is that, yes, I used to make really good money when I worked there. The tips were great, but there would just be that one asshole and that would be enough to like send me next door for like three martinis to drown it yep. and then off to the ship and anchor for like four more rounds of shooters and like three pints of strong cider and then a really bad last call decision yep. to go somewhere with somebody I shouldn't have been going somewhere with. That happened a lot. <laughs> and that kind of reminds me of something that I want to talk about as well um, is um, really bad decisions mm. and... Um, and, th and that is uh, something I'm reading and hearing that a lot of people with ADHD, um, when we're out kind of roaming single in the world, uh, women, um, people who identify as women are often easy targets for people that won't treat us very yeah. well because we do make bad decisions when we've had 12 drinks on a Thursday night. And pretty much everybody would make a bad decision <laughs> in that. Um, but it, it's I, its I own know, bad decision. But it is its own bad decision. It was a coping mechanism from just that one asshole. And then that would spiral into this thing. And then I would end up, yeah, doing something I wasn't proud of or being with somebody that I shouldn't have been with. And then dealing with the fallout and the shame of that would far overshadow just trying to deal with the, the feelings of yeah. the one jerk, you know? Um, and, and that, that's one of the parts about it that, I'm still like, I think it's going to take me a long time to kind of grapple and, and deal with some of those feelings of <clears throat> the sort of the really bad decisions that I made when I, when I used to drink heavily. Um, and, and I don't know if that still lives on my body on some level. Um, I think that'd be some interesting stuff mm. to work through in therapy, which I'm starting with a new therapist this oh, week. Nice. So I'm looking forward I to hope that. that goes well. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's got like a, a really robust understanding of what my context is and he reads Nietzsche and Nietzsche, Nietzsche and all that stuff too so he's got a philosophy mm. around treatment which I think is good um, but I guess that's all my my way of saying that for a lot of people with ADHD is that um, we make these poor decisions because yes we are people pleasers and we do want to be loved but it often manifests in really toxic mm. ways you know yeah I haven't had um it's, it's interesting because uh, obviously, you know, I have a lot of issues with impulse control too, but it's never really kind of been around um, romance and things. Um, that's mm. maybe part of that is like growing up Catholic and like, you know, kind of for mm. a long time trying to deny that I even, you know, had a sex drive. Um, mm. But most of my, most of my bad decisions around were around like drinking and that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, like kind of, I, I I was always a I have never not been in a relationship pretty much um, and so I never had really kind of like that single period um, and that's another thing that I'm kind of realizing is like ADHD relevant is uh, that I feel like to some degree that's probably because I like don't know how to take care of myself. <laughs> to some degree so it's like mm. you know um having 
having a partner to kind of like ease some of the burden of like the enormous amount of work it takes to just maintain tasks in a household and all that kind of stuff, I think is a big, mm. a big factor for me, uh, of, of why I've always been in a romantic relationship. So yeah, having someone to kind of like take care of me to some degree, cause I couldn't take care of myself is what I now realize. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think that there's, I have so much respect for you in that sense though, that you have that awareness and that, um, you met somebody when you were quite young that you loved enough and that you wanted to build a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and that does elude a lot of people with ADHD. And, um, and uh, you know, in my 20s, I used to joke about this, but now I realize just how not funny it is. But <clears throat> I was engaged to be married four times. And um, the fourth time, um, he was physically abusive, and I, and I was lucky mm-hmm. to get out of it. Um, and it, it just altered my ability to trust anybody yeah. for a really long period after that. <clears throat> and so I just didn't, I just ran wild, you know, I just like had, you know, flings and, um, and the only time I could ever really let my guard down long enough would be like if I was traveling somewhere, or I had a bunch of stuff to drink and then I would have these really intense short-term relationships <clears throat> and that, but I wouldn't be able to sustain anything. Right. And, um, and I realized, like, when I look back on it now, it's not funny or it's not, it's really not that reasonable. Like when you meet somebody um, at a bar and then, you know, you spend the weekend together and it's all really good. And then a month later when they say, I love you, let's get married. You say, okay. Like, that's not usually how it's done. Like when you've been drunk the whole time, you don't really know the right. person. You haven't met their friends. They haven't met your friends. You've been skipping work and being super irresponsible. <laughs> And that happened to me. I did that a lot. And, I'm, you know, it's just, like, a little bit mortifying. That's, like, my 20s, I was just, like, I thought I was on a Levi's ad or something. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, running around. I'm so loving and hugging everybody. And um, which is one of the reasons I really couldn't take ecstasy. I only took it twice. And I was, like, this shit's bad. I'm just going to be, like, hugging everybody. Um, but, yeah, I think that the... the um, the pressure that I felt at that point in my life too to get into a relationship was pretty strong for my family. Mm. Um, and every time I met somebody, my mom would say, how's your love life? And I'd say, oh, I met this really great guy. And, da, 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 da. and then, you know, all these things would happen. We'd get engaged and then they would just never meet them because either I would run for the hills, which was three out of the four of those relationships. Right. It was um, me just saying, yeah, I got to go by, you know, and not even like giving any kind of, um, like proper closure right. to the other person. Um, and, and that was partly because I didn't get to know them enough to know that they weren't somebody that I'd wanted to share my life with. Right. Um, like that, 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 that impetuousness, right. The, uh, impulse control of just like, yes, you love me. You see me. Let's do this. Oh, wait, you're an asshole. <laughs> I don't want to be with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, like my 30s, I, I just wasn't really doing much, any dating at all. Um, and then getting into the journalism stuff in my, in my thirties and forties, it was just, I just wanted to write and tell stories and meet people and getting into a relationship wasn't important to me anymore. But I bet once you kind of took your eye off of that and, and, and put your focus so much into your work and, um, sort of trying to realize your career goals and figure out who Robbie McDonald, the writer, is, I bet then mm. your romantic 
life, or at least the amount of romantic interest people took in you, actually spiked after you started putting more time into mm. yourself and focusing on yourself. Yeah, it did to some extent, but I was still attracting. I had a really bad case of bad boyitis, <laughs> and I made shitty decisions in that regard. So it was just like, oh, here's this really nice guy. He values this thing that I wrote in Fast Forward about this movie. Oh, he's boring as a stick. <laughs> What's that indie rocker doing over there that's not been showing me any attention? I better go see what he's up to, right? And then I better just make sure I get his number and make a fool of myself. So, um, yeah, that was kind of like self-esteem stuff at play there. Yeah. Um, but it, it did it did definitely introduce me to more interesting people, you know. And, and my circle of friends um, in Calgary, like I really, I'm still really grateful for a lot of the people that I got to know mm -hmm. and people doing incredible work and um, the writing group that I had, like with Heather Secca and Melanie Jones and Andrew Maughan and, um, and Chu and Pierre Hamill, like th these people were like doing really great stuff and they continue to, you know, do all kinds of cool things mm -hmm. in the world. Right. So that part was, that part became my focus, right. It, just being around creative yeah. people and doing good work in the world. And, and when I moved to Vancouver, just learning how to be in myself and having that kind of journey of self-discovery is when I met my current partner, yeah. right? Because I was, I was starting to really calm down. <laughs> I wasn't drinking anymore. So I um, was making shitty decisions that way. And, and I think the fact that I already knew where his values were because of how I met him, I met him through a Buddhist group mm -hmm. that I, I knew um, that he wasn't going to be, uh, you know, out raging on a Friday night right. while I was sitting at home pining. Like, I knew that wasn't going to happen, right? So it was easier for me to be vulnerable with him right? because I could trust that he was coming from a good place, you know? Mm -hmm. um, how did you guys meet? Did you ever... I don't know if you've told um, me that story. Through, actually, through music. Um, so uh, Megan was... Uh, she, she was into the band that I played in at the time, a, a screamo band called The Cordovita. Um, and so when she, so she was uh, living near Edmonton, um, and so when she moved down, it was like, okay, well, you know, I'll like show this person around town. She's new to Calgary. Um, yeah. And so just kind of went from there. Um, that was t almost 20 years ago now, but, uh, I actually wanted to go back to something that you touched on that I thought was kind of funny, which was ecstasy. Um, because, so I have taken ecstasy twice and both times it was not like pure MDMA, it was cut with speed. And that was how mm. I found out that I actually liked speed a lot. Um, which again, mm. I now understand as like, of course I did. I have ADHD and that's like what my mm. medication does. But yeah, so when I, the, the, those two times I took ecstasy, um, it was a lot of fun. But what I was way more interested in than the kind of body sensations and stuff was just how fast mm. and well and it, my, my mind felt like a well lubricated machine uh because of like the i assume amphetamines that this speed was cut with or excuse me that, that, mm -hmm. that this ecstasy was cut with but yeah that was just kind of funny and um i literally hadn't thought about that in years until you brought up ecstasy but i remember mm -hmm. saying at the time that like well like ecstasy was fun but like now I know that, like, I got to stay away from speed because, like, that's going to be a fucking problem for me if I got into it. <laughs> mm. And that's things where, um, yeah, so, so I have historically not been great about kind of, like, um, 
communicating in relationships and kind of like uh, saying, communicating my feelings and, and my needs and wants and all of these kinds of things because I haven't been great about communicating that in any area of my life because I had such a terrible self-esteem that I didn't feel like what I wanted or was interested in or would make me happy was even worth mentioning because like, well, I'm never going to fucking get it. So like, why even bring it up? Um, but yeah, uh, so that, that, that's something that like I have definitely seen impact my relationships is just like, um, yeah, again, like a well-intended piece of criticism or correction or whatever, or, you know, like a, 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 even a good discussion that does need to happen if it's a tough one or it's like it's one where I have to kind of look at myself through like yeah I'm kind of dropping the ball in this area or kind of fucking up here that that can still be a difficult one too even if I can intellectually identify no this is correct and these are behaviors that you need to change there's still this other side of me that's like well why don't you just go fucking Drive off a cliff then, Thelma and Louise. <laughs> and I don't know if that if that ever goes away and if maybe that is just the work of being in a relationship with other people. But when it's RSD, um, there it's more intense than just feeling bad. It's like sometimes it's physical, right? Like you can yep. feel the physical pain in your body. And and I'm yeah, I'm still very much in that stuff and I'm trying to figure out uh, how to how to be in relationship with my partner, in relationship with my family, in relationship with a career and life and the outside world um, with this still kind of like milling around. Um, yeah. Because it, it definitely impacted uh, relationships before being in this one. And I think one of the reasons that we've been, been able to stay together and that I didn't run for the hills right out of the gate is because the way that it started, because I knew I knew... I knew where his values were, but he also was on an artist residency in Santa Fe when we started figuring out that we liked each other. Mm. So that put a pause on any kind of rushing headlong into right. things. And so we were able right. to really kind of get to know each other really well. Um, so by the time we even had our first date, we kind of knew where we were at. Yeah, And we knew we liked great. each other. And, and that was lovely. Um, but before that, I mean, God, I went... Some guy that I met on the drive who was like, God, he looks like, uh, what's his name? Russell Brand. He's got that kind of look with the what beard and whatever. And I was like, oh. And then, like, the first day that I met him, we're sitting in a sushi place. And he's, like, rubbernecking other women walking on the street. And I'm just like, oh, I'm so lucky I'm sitting with him. I'm lucky me, right? <laughs> like, Jesus. Like, anyway, but I... I ran for the hills on that one, like, in a really weird way over text message. Like, so mm -hmm. embarrassing. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know that the RSD thing, like, I'm, I'm still figuring that out. I don't know if that's, I think it's just going to take a, take a lifetime. Like, that's just the Absolutely. work of being human in some ways. Yep. Um, you know? I, uh, one, one particular experience that stands out in my mind um, was, like, uh, you, you, you were talking about how the RSD just is so much more kind of intense and people kind of can't understand to some degree, you know, like, neurotypical people. Mm -hmm. um, and that was one for me where, like, so... I, I'm less so now because I have much more confidence than I did, but, um, you know, like I can be a clingy person at times, um, and especially like physically, uh, and yeah, and, and there was, I remember at one point, like, just kind of like 
cuddling up and my partner at the time saying something like, like, can you give me some space? Like you're being a barnacle. <laughs> and I, I honest to God, that, that fucking ruined me for like two days mm. because I was just like, oh my God, like a barnacle. Like a barnacle, like that little gross little fucking shitty thing clinging to a ship's hull that nobody wants, that you got to like pay some guy a bunch of money to like decalcify and scrape. Like, that's what I am right now. Like, God damn. And I, I was honestly like, like, I, I was like, like just sitting in bed fucking just like oh, I'm a barnacle oh like <laughs> I, I, I'm being a little bit dramatic mm. but it, it really did like it fucked me up hard and this is again a person that like you know I had every every other indication I know that this person loves me very deeply mm-hmm. because of like all of the other words and actions and the way that they live their life in relation to me. But just like that one kind of like careless offhand comment just like fucked me up so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. The neediness thing is, uh, um, and it seems to kind of like, it comes and goes in waves, right? Like I, I can be like, uh, super vulnerable, needy, and then the next minute, just like I just can't yeah. even, just Hot like don't cold. come anywhere near me, and I need my space, and um, and I'm lucky that uh, that Osvaldo is is, uh, and I've I've actually kind of been the person saying that to him at times when mm-hmm. he just needed some nurturing, and that I'm we've worked through that, but I'm not I'm not proud of that, and I did call him a barnacle actually, <laughs> but now we kind of really, we laugh word. about it now. It's a joke now. Like here comes barnacle boy. Uh oh, you know. Like, is, is this like is this a thing that women do that I just had no idea of? Is like women women love the barnacle metaphor and they're just like all over. I don't know. Why. Women are just like barnacle waved and, and I have no idea. And about I didn't it. know. I hadn't thought of it from your perspective of like oh yeah barnacles are these gross disgusting things that people and I guess it's just the word like the word's kind of cute. So that's how I think of it. It's like, oh, it's cute. He's like attached to me, but I need to get, I need to do the dishes, you know, like, <laughs> um, that's so funny that you, that you have shared it that way. Cause now I can see like how it is a hurtful thing to say. Right. Um, well, but not, not necessarily though. Cause you're right. Like I'm, I'm now seeing it from like, oh yeah, that is kind of a cute word. Like just phonetically, hmm. it's a gross thing, but it's like kind of a cute word. And I can see how it would be like, how it could be an affectionate <laughs> thing even, or certainly not intended as a hurtful thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but like just where I was, maybe it was just a combination of like, now that I'm thinking about it, it was probably more to do with the like, less to do with barnacle the word than just like a clearly communicated expression of like hey give me some space (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) oh my god someone's communicating their needs to me directly holy fuck what's going on (laughs) (laughs) oh jesus right like i can just i I think you can actually spend like your whole days just going god am i communicating this well like what am i doing but um it's probably yeah and this time of year brings it up for a lot of people too right Um, and it's funny because I was thinking that we should do like this like duet of islands in the stream and then I realized that I can't sing <laughs> so that's not going to work but um, I just like the song got stuck in my head yesterday for some reason you know like Kenny Rogers Dolly Parton like so old school and then <laughs> 
just cracked me up just the idea of even thinking about it just like hi Lindsay and the stranger because <laughs> it's such a are. yeah right no one in between I don't remember how the rest of it goes. I honestly, every time I, I can get through the first two lines, and then my brain just turns it into the ODB ghetto superstar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's fun to just even like kind of entertain those ideas in my head, right? Like that's what's going on in any given day. It's like, oh, we could do this thing, and um, yeah, no, that's not gonna work because I can't sing. So maybe let's try something. Else. Well, I'll tell you about one that I've just remembered because I, I wrote this down like four weeks ago and I still have not done anything with it because I keep forgetting. Mm. But um, the one that I've had kind of running around in my head lately is uh, Foreigner Urgent. Mm. But it's like, neuro, neuro, divergency, neuro, neuro, divergence. <laughs> Oh my god! And so I just, keep, I just like, okay, I'm just gonna sit down in Ableton and just like figure out, make a recreate the bed track from that song, and then just like we'll use that as the intro one of these days. I so, love do, it. Do, 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 Neurodivergency. Oh my god! Yeah, I was pretty so proud of that one. That's so genius. Yeah, and now, yeah, God, that's taking me back. The foreigner. Whew. <laughs> um, definitely before my time yeah yeah that was that was i would have been grade i want to say grade eight living in mississauga and i actually have a memory of making out with some dude to that song yeah nice yeah um uh so i feel like we got some really good uh conversations here was there anything else so, that too. you wanted to talk about when you think about relationships hmm. Well, there's, th th this is probably enough meat for a whole other show, but there is, mm. of course, the whole sex and intimacy angle. Yeah. Because um, that, that, there is so many different ways that ADHD plays into that. Um, mm -hmm. Paying attention, touch sensitivity, touch insensitivity, mm. like lack of focus, lack of um, perceived attention or caring for your partner, feeling like you're not cared for, the RSD end of it, mm. like those that communicating wants and desires and boundaries, all that stuff. It's like, it's so fraught and tough for regular people. And of course, all the things that make platonic relationships tough for people with ADHD are just like, they are even more present in romantic ones. So yeah. I'm, I completely agree. And you've just stated it so well. And I think that is a full episode unto itself. Yeah. Right. Um, because there's so much more going on. Yeah. For ADHD brains in the, and the intimacy and, and... Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so hey out there modern lovers thanks for listening today and um, if you need to find us uh, we're uh, popping up all over the internet these days uh, you can subscribe to our podcast on apple and uh, spotify and uh, leaving a review and subscribing really helps us tell your friends share and uh, social media, we're uh, just getting rolling on Twitter and Instagram, and we have a Facebook. Yes, we do. Um, so Facebook. Twitter, our <laughs> handle is at H S I H A D H D. Holy shit, I have ADHD. The Facebook page is called Holy Expletive. I have ADHD because Facebook, when I was setting it up, certainly wouldn't let me put shit in the title of the page. It wouldn't let me let me put S H asterisk T. It wouldn't even let me put 
holy asterisk 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 asterisk. Uh, it was just not. It was not having anything. There was. I couldn't do cartoon Pac-Man. Cubert swears in the title. Oh my goodness, Facebook, right? Instagram. Yeah, um, holy shit, I have ADHD. Uh, what other? We're not on TikTok yet, are we? But maybe we should do that after talking arena. It's something I keep thinking about. I, I know, and I've been like so intimidated by by TikTok. But then when I hear her story and um, and I see some of the ADHD stuff, I'm like, oh dear, okay. <laughs> um, so maybe we will end up doing that. We're not on LinkedIn, which is you know the way it's going to be for now. Although I do it on my personal LinkedIn page because. Because you want eyeballs on your shit. Late stage capitalism. Because you want eyeballs on your shit, just like we all do. (laughs) Because that's that's right, right? So, yeah. Um, And then the Patreon page that we're just setting up, Jordan, that's... uh, That is is patreon.com slash holy shit, I have ADHD. There are no posts up there yet. I am finishing editing Mm. a very old blog post that I wrote when Robbie and I were launching the show, and that'll be up on there. And then what I'm also going to do, um, I'm going to commit... I'm going to commit to this with you on the phone here. What I'm going to do this week is I'm going to um, start putting together individual Patreon posts for each episode in the order that we posted them in uh, so that we have a block of content. And then there's also a place where people can start to comment on these things, start to build that community, all of the things there. So we will have some content on the Patreon um, by what is today, Monday. So let's say, yeah, the 15th, there will be a non- insignificant amount of content on the Patreon and hopefully that'll induce some people to start putting some money into the Patreon. Which I love. And that's it. So if you're having like a day after B day hangover, come hang out with us on the Patreon page. Absolutely. And there'll be some laughs and there'll be some things you can relate to. If you have ADHD, you recently discovered it or you know someone who has it. I really feel like just in a very short period of time, we're really starting to unpack some, some pretty juicy stuff that uh, we hope you'll relate to. Thanks, everyone. 